podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Go long! Go long! Sometimes longer isn't better. So if you're looking for a fantasy NFL game that doesn't last all season, try Paddy Power Fantasy. Every game week is a season in itself. Try it for free on our super short, super free contest on this Sunday's 6pm games. The top 1,500 customers in the contest win a prize with £1,000 for first place. Search Paddy Power Fantasy to pick your team. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting, love winning. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. Teamplusbegumbleaware.org. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. Good to have you with a special bonus pod for you this one. we got Jay Bell in the house tomorrow for our usual weekend preview show. Jason Bell at ESPN HQ. So normal business is resumed, but this is a special podcast, a sit down I had with Alistair Kirk with the MD of NFL UK. One of the key figures in driving the game forward over here in this country over the years. We sat back and talked after another successful London series, but we got into all kinds of things, including uh, concerns that NFL UK fans have on different areas, including ticketing for starters. A lot of you got in touch with the show with questions you wanted me to put to him. So I did just that. So sit back and enjoy. And uh, our weekly preview show, weekend preview show, dropping with J-Bell on Friday as usual. Congratulations on another successful NFL London series. Did it go as planned from your, you know, did you know what you were hoping for? Um, it never goes as planned. Mm-hmm. And um, when you've got eight teams, you've got two different stadia over five weeks. Uh, you can have aspirations as to what, what you want, which is ultimately great fan experience that the teams go away thinking that they had a fighting chance of winning or losing. And if they lost, it was down to them rather than conditions mm-hmm. um, and that, Everybody involved uh, ultimately had a good time, but but what goes into that, specifically behind the scenes, um, would make a good book somewhere, somewhere down the line. <laughs> well, I hope we're filming and documenting all of it. Spurs must have certainly met expectations, arguably exceeded expectations. There's just been glowing reports of, of both of those games and the experience from from all corners. Yeah, and I think um, I think it's a relatively new stadium, so it's a new stadium for for us behind the scenes. New, obviously, for the teams themselves, new for the fans, right? So, you, you know, the fans themselves are going into that stadium, unless they're um, Spurs supporters themselves, for the first time, trying to work through uh, all the logistics, etc. So, going in, there was a ton of nervous energy, ton of kind of uh, mitigation concerns as to what are the worst things that could actually happen. Um, Do you feel at this stage of the process that's been a good thing for you and your team. You know, that that new dimension has sharpened your collective minds a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, and I and this will be the only time I think ever I'll be on camera trying to compare myself with Bill Belichick. <laughs> so I, it'll be a very, very... I'm glad we're recording this. Yeah, right, it'll be a very sketchy, down the barrel when you sketchy this one, right? <laughs> right? But um, I, think, I think it's actually good to keep... Um, recharging yourself and also resetting yourself every single year mm. um you know so hype the thing up but don't believe your own hype mm. uh and so that whole idea of of being proud yet at the same time relentlessly dissatisfied and is is really important because you got to remember that for example the texans um this past sunday that's their first game playing playing in europe mm. so for them that is the start of the international series in London and Europe. And you've therefore got to treat it as the very first game. 
you treat it as the 28th game and it's one of, one of many, then you'll probably get lax. Something unfortunate will happen mm. and, and then you lose all the momentum. So having that approach of almost like it's the first. Now with Spurs, because it was the first, uh, Spurs stadium, you didn't even have to kind of put that into your repertoire. Is actually to project too much. Yeah, right. yeah. I like you did a Belichick and a public enemy reference there as well. There you so that go. Was gonna like there that. you go. Uh, I mean, what do you think made Spurs so special? Is, is it entirely the customization of the stadium that obviously we haven't seen before in this country? Was it the the newness both to the NFL organization to, to obviously the players, obviously the fans as well? Is the fact it's just a, a brand new stadium that any event there right now would would feel compelling? It, it all seemed to gel perfectly for. An NFL game. Yeah, and I, first of all, it's customized, so you've got your own field, you've got your own locker rooms. Um, it really doesn't feel like a stadium that you have to work hard to transform. Mm. But I also think that the acoustics and the sound, um, you know, so Osi Amanura was on the sidelines for both games. And he gave about the biggest compliment that an ex-player could, could um, come up with. He said, this is a playoff atmosphere. Mm. And anyone that's been fortunate enough to go to a playoff game um, rec- will recognize that that is a major statement, uh, to make. So I think, I think it's a combination of, of those things. Yet at the same time, um, with Wembley, you get scale. So you get 25,000 more fans going, going to it. You get history, you get heritage, you get kind of much broader space as well. Mm. So we're kind of spot insofar as this year, we've definitely got the best of, of both worlds. Is it going to make Wembley? a harder sell for fans, do you think, going forwards, that Tottenham was so successful? No, I actually think it's... I'd, I'd like to think that um, we're only scratching the surface of the level of uh, demand and support. You know, that our fans have come out and, and done a brilliant job in terms of every time we've increased the number of games, uh, irrespective of the matchups, we get uh, tremendous levels of support. I think, I think it'll be understandable for people that have been fortunate enough to go to both venues that they'll compare and contrast and there'll be some people that will like one and some people that will like the like another. Mm. But I think ultimately it'll be a case of I love the sport and I uh, want to see it up close and personal. I, I would like to think that people won't be picking one over the other. It'll be much more, uh, they'll, they may have their fa- favourite venue, but it'll still be a case of just want to come to games. Enjoying them both. Is the long-term plan to keep Wembley in the mix then? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, from our perspective, we are having our cake and eating it at this stage, and long may it continue. What about other UK stadiums? I know you and I have talked about this before, but the benefit of our viewers and our listeners, often asked, why doesn't the NFL move up north, Old Trafford, Scotland? What are the reasons why that is not feasible? How that certainly hasn't been done to date. So I think there's a couple couple of different reasons. One is, quite frankly, there's a lot of stadia that, where we can't actually just physically play our game. So that could be the length of the field, so the lights of Old Trafford or the Etihad. The, the, the field's just not long enough. Mm. We've had people over the years with a measuring tape, not just believing me. Personally, no, no, I've supervised one measuring tape. That's the glamour of the game, of the, of the, game, <laughs> the game and the, the job. Um, I think secondly is the facilities behind the scenes, right? So we've got 53 players on a, on a, on a roster. Uh, we've got a ton of coaches as well. And you actually evaluate and look at stadium and, and see what, what can be done and how it can actually be fit, fitted. Mm. There's very few stadium where that can actually work out. 
then on the other side of things, you've on the other side of things, you've also got um, logistical issues. So you're seeing increasingly number of number of teams that are coming in for relatively short weekends. Yeah. So Houston and Jacksonville came in on the Friday, left on Sunday night. Right. If you go to a, a, a regional place with a regional airport, you're actually asking for more travel time. Mm. You're asking um, for more logistical uncertainty or things that could potentially go wrong. And, and coaches and teams are creatures of habit. Mm. They don't want to be trailblazers. They don't have a sense of pride of, I'd like to be the first person to play in X. Mm. They actually would love for other teams to have tried and tested and for them to then actually work out what's best for them. Yeah. So you're, it's not just as simple and straightforward as, wouldn't it be great to play in this area? Yeah. It's, is it good enough and fit enough and appropriate enough for a regular season game that matters? Yeah. And also, will teams actually be happy? You've got to be able to sell it to the NFL. I get that. London as well works very much as a, a European gateway, and it's always very noticeable that when you're at the games, there are fans from all over the world, but certainly all across Europe, particularly mm-hmm. a German contingent, and we're hearing... Mm-hmm more and more that there might be uh, an international series game in Germany in the not-too-distant future. Is there a sense there will just be more games to go around internationally, or do you think that at some point the UK will have to compromise the amount of games that it gets if there is a game in Germany, for example? Well, my crystal ball's cracked and has been for many years. Everything (laughs) I've ever predicted over the years has not happened and vice versa, right? So, What's your instinct on this one? Well, every time I'm interviewed by German media, I'm mm. on record as saying, I really want a German game. <laughs> of course. German fans deserve We've it. We've got a big German fan base watching right yeah, now. Yeah, so and, and I'm being very clear that uh, <laughs> yeah. I say it and I believe it. Um, I do think that there is a ongoing challenge in terms of game inventory, just to make the more games that you look to play, mm. the more you're looking then for home teams to put their hands up and volunteer. And whilst there are mechanisms in place to try and help that, um, it's a challenge for, for folks back in New York. So I'm always going to be saying, let's play m- more games, let's do more, because I actually believe that that's one way of growing the sport, mm. and it's great for, for fans themselves. So I'd like to think that there's going to be a game in Germany uh, in the future. I don't know what that means to the UK. I'm certainly not lobbying for, for less games, uh, sure. and that's not kind of uh, on our horizon, and it's not part of the discussion at this point in time. But I think we also have to be realistic that um, you can only put on the number of games linked to the number of teams that are actually willing to come over. Now, the good news is, since we've been playing since 2007, 31 out of 32 teams have played in London now. Mm. And back in 2007, if I had, if I had said that, um, that would have sounded really fanciful. So the fact right. that we can actually achieve those kind of things and get momentum, because back then, no one else other than Miami Dolphins wanted to volunteer for, mm. for a game at, at, at that point in time. And here we are, you know, 28 games later. Almost a full set. The, the notable absence is, of course, the Green Bay Packers. Lots of people have got in touch with us knowing we were going to be, I was going to be doing the interview and inevitably asking about that. When are the Packers coming over? We know they're not going to give up a home game. We get no, that. that no. That's just not feasible. So it is dependent on a number of other things in order for that to be a possibility. But presumably, not just NFL UK, but... NFL as a collective organization must be aware that getting the Packers over would, would complete the set and be yeah. an incredibly strong news yeah, story. Yeah, no, then that would, that would be a really nice kind of ribbon on, um, uh, to attach the, to kind of this whole, this whole journey. Mm. I think, um, there've been two or three times over the years where I thought we were going to get the Packers and there are always other elements and aspects that go on behind the scenes in terms of, 
can you get the sequencing right for game weeks that get played? Um, are the, does it fit in with US domestic broadcasters as well? Uh, what does the home team feel about it as well? So there's loads Because of, it's a valuable game for the home team to give yeah, up. Yeah, and there's loads of other considerations that go in. But, um, key for us going forward is to get a volunteer home team where the Green Bay Packers are on the away schedule because I'm not sure that, um, people are fully aware, but you have an idea, um, four years out as to what the game schedules look like every single season. Mm-hmm. And so, um, some of it will be luck and design. And some of it will be because we actually want it to make it happen. Yeah. So there is a desire to be able to say they've got all 32 teams. The Packers themselves have gone on record and said that they would love to come over. It's just up to us to make it happen. Okay, on the games that we want to see happening over here, and it's difficult, isn't it, in some respects, because you give the fans what they want and inevitably they're going to keep on wanting more. And there's talk of playoff games. There's the fans will talk of a Super Bowl because I guess... The latter is going to be impossible or certainly incredibly challenging because of kickoff times and, and everything else. A playoff game is more realistic, and Commissioner Goodell was asked that question when he was over at the Bears-Raiders game earlier on. I certainly didn't discount it as an option. Do you see that as one of the ways the international series will develop, the international game plan will develop? We've had regular season games. We've had more regular season games. Is a playoff game a really, really logical next play? Um, I can only speak personally, so uh, this question and answer is not on the pay- NFL payroll. Noted. Um, I'm personally against playing a Super Bowl in the UK. Um, I think I think th- history shows that you play Super Bowls where there are teams, mm. and I think the Super Bowl is iconically important um, and not not something that you should move around without a really clear vision as to why. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a circus that would be coming into town, a massive circus, but I actually think um, until such time as we're deserving of it, um, it should stay in the States. Mm-hmm. And I kind of am I'm the same approach with a playoff game, um, unless my bosses tell me to get supportive of it, which I absolutely will. Of course. <laughs> if I'm told to. But my own viewpoint is you actually need home advantage in a playoff. Mm. And so I think that the best chances of us having a playoff game would actually be if there was a London franchise. What about the story that broke in the last 24 hours? Miami confirmed as a, an international series team. It'd be yeah. great to have them back in London, wouldn't it? Yeah, so they've said that they'll either play a game in London or Mexico. Mm. So we're going to lobby hard and try and get the Dolphins over for a couple of reasons. One is uh, they're one of the top three um, most followed followed um fan bases here in the UK, so something that re- really matters. And secondly, it'll get um, you off my back. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only reason you do. That's yeah, yeah, it was in reverse it. order. Yeah. Like, yeah. It'll be great. They, I mean, they are, um, uh, you know, they are, as you say, uh, a, a, <laughs> personal interest here, a much-loved team. So they'd be an easy sell as well, wouldn't they, whether, you know, you're a Dolphins fan or not. They're a they're tough season, but one of those teams that has so much history and resonance in this country. I, I don't really like where you're going trying to make <laughs> my job sound like it's really easy to do. I think it's really easy to just sit there and ask questions. What do you think? Oh, hey, I better, I better living out of it. Um, <laughs> speaking of hard sell. Yes. A lot of the time when the games are released, mm. there is a reaction from certain corners of the fan base to say, well, that's not really a great matchup. That's not really compelling. And back to 
the Packers, the Patriots. We want to see teams like that every year. Now we know we know it's difficult mm-hmm. for reasons you've outlined to get those marquee teams each and every year, but history's shown that actually some of the matchups that on paper don't necessarily jump off the page have been some of the best games we've seen in London. Yeah, I mean my best matchup that uh, we ever negotiated was the Vikings and Steelers in 2013. Yeah. Both teams playoff teams the week the year before. Uh, incredible star players, big fan bases. They came in, played week four, both 0 and 3, mm. statistically, you know, out of the playoff race for that, that year. That was a good lesson to me that sometimes you can, it's a little bit like my fantasy football team. Right. Good on paper. Not <laughs> always great. Quite play out. You know, this past Sunday, um, yeah. you'd argue being able to see the Houston Texans with Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, et cetera, you know, really kind of, Playing at an incredibly high level, um, without trying to jinx their season, mm. you'd like to think that they're probably going to be a playoff team and, and seriously in the hunt. Mm. What a privilege for the rest of us to actually see them, see them live, close and personal. Um, maybe when you're saying Jacksonville, Houston last year, yeah, maybe that doesn't sound quite as appealing as as now. Right, and even the game as well, which was one sided was still pretty gripping for most of it, not least because of Watson individually seemed to carry the game. But but even at the end, the final quarter, there was all the jeopardy going on and turnover central. It, it gripped you for the game. The, the audience was, as in in the stadium, was, was definitely gripped. And broadcasting and, it, we didn't struggle to try and fill it. We had so much to talk about. And then you look at the other games. Um, the Rams haven't got to Super Bowl and having a stuttering season, yep. which I don't think many people were forecasting. Right. The Raiders really bouncing back and being very competitive in every in every game. Maybe people didn't didn't see them as being as, as competitive as they yeah. be. So it is difficult to get the balance right, uh, and it's difficult in our sport to actually forecast who's going to be hot one year from from another. And the previous season it isn't always the best basis for sure. it. Sure, sure. Um, but I think we're we're kind of in a spot position as far as we've got four games. Eight teams, so therefore the odds are that we'll find at least a couple of those teams that will surprise people. You talk about four games. The CBA is something that's getting talked about a lot and the potential for an increase in across the NFL in terms of regular season games. 17, 18, mm-hmm. um, there's a, there's a distinct possibility, if not strong possibility that that might happen in the foreseeable future. That clearly has to be good news for a good news for, for NFL UK because going back to my earlier point, the more games they are, there are to, to divvy up, the chances are that we will, as a country, be offered more international series games. Is that how you look at that? That if we go to an 18-game season, we'll probably increase the number of games we have here to five, potentially six, potentially more, right? Yeah, well, I've over the years, I've never refused any kind of scenario. So mm. when they've offered up one game, multiple games... My standard answer is yes. I'd, I'd even do it for a playoff game, despite my previous answer, right? <laughs> sure. It's because I, I believe that um, as we're trying to grow um, and, and kind of take things to the next level, mm. if you get an opportunity, you just take it and then mm. figure it out uh, afterwards. So if if something like that was to happen, we'd we'd take the benefit from it. Mm. And if it doesn't happen, we'll we'll find other ways and different ways. Do you think it will happen? Do you think the league will expand to eighteen games? Um, I have abs- I a I have absolutely no sense of, of it. But you know, you were talking about um, how stories are put out there and, and what they actually mean. I think mm. with experience shows that with the CBA, there's loads of things that that get put put out on both sides. Yeah, and it's only once the things actually being concluded do you actually know. Yeah. 
Okay, we've got some questions for you from right. our social media channels. Uh, at the NC Show, as you know, is how you get in touch. Um, how did you come up with that name? Brandon? Hours and hours. Paid a branding agency a lot of money. I mean, yeah. this is ESPN we're talking about here. Okay. They're, 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 they're you could have asked me. I would have helped. <laughs> I should have. A lot of listeners and viewers getting in touch with us about ticketing. Mm-hmm. It is a... Complimentary? Not much. Okay. <laughs> not so much. Um, a lot of fans felt uh, disappointed, were left disappointed with yeah. the the Tottenham games, mm-hmm. long-standing legacy season ticket holders um, from previous years yep. facing challenges. But not just that. There's also the problem that, and this isn't unique to the NFL in terms of uh, online ticketing and where tickets end up and the cost of mm-hmm. those. Mm-hmm. So let's start with with the former. What is your response to those fans who feel quite aggrieved by the fact that they they weren't necessarily, in their eyes, looked after as they should have been for for years of loyalty supporting the, the uh, they're right. Series. They're they're in the right. Um, so I don't have any specific counter to it. Um, I mean, on their shoes for the most part, uh, without maybe some of the swear words around social <laughs> media, I would, right. I would agree um, with their point of views. Um, I think that. I think behind the scenes, I, we have a challenge in terms of what we can actually say publicly and how we can actually explain things. Sure. When you go to, to two games, two games, when you go to two stadia, um, as we experienced with Wembley and Twickenham, there are lots of other kind of operational considerations. And probably the, the most challenging one is, is actually getting the ticketing side right. Mm. So if you buy, uh, for Wembley and Twickenham, uh, as back then, mm. um, we made it work. But we made lots of mistakes behind the scenes and operationally couldn't couldn't quite get it right and hope that kind of technology would, would would help. So you buy for one seat for all for all games, that seat in another stadium has to be by its very nature different. Sure. Um, just because it's a different consideration, different configuration, different uh, capacity, etc. So well, capacity is the issue here, isn't it, with Spurs and Wembley? Is yeah, so so for example, um, Spurs being a much smaller stadium. We'd actually have to scale back the number of um, season tickets to make it operational for Spurs as opposed to operational for Wembley. Why were the legacy season ticket holders given automatic first dibs at, with the Spurs season tickets? That seems to so, be the concern. So why weren't they? Yeah, uh, because the number that we had for Wembley from the previous year would have just exceeded, so just didn't, yeah, didn't yeah, add up. And, okay, and it would have created other. It would have had a knock-on effect for everything else. So it's. It's unfortunately not the fans' fault, mm. and that's why I think they're in the right to be both disappointed and to express that disappointment. Um, it would be considerably easier for us if we were just playing in one stadium. But if we're just playing in one stadium, we might struggle to get the number of games that we get because of scheduling um, uh, conflicts and challenges. Mm. So we need to play in multiple stadiums whilst we don't own our own uh, stadium. Mm-hmm. So I think the fans were unfortunate victims of a lot of other other considerations. The only th- I know it won't be a particularly satisfactory answer, but the only thing that I would kind of stress is when we when we made the decision, it wasn't just a glib. Let's just do that and to hell with everybody else. Mm. Uh, it was agonizingly. Um, placed in terms of looking at every form of consideration and starting point is what are the things that could actually go wrong so if we'd if we'd gone ahead with it i think we would have probably upset people in other ways because um 
we don't have a, there isn't a ticketing system here that can actually manage both of those stadia mm. uh, successfully. They they operate in, behind the scenes. They operate in two different systems. Sure. Um, even though it's kind of the same vendor, so it, it it's a lot harder than it seems. Um, where I think people would also be quite right um, to kind of have a go is be to say that we weren't very kind of open and transparent. Mm. But in in my experience, when you actually disappoint people, um, they'll not they're not going to be satisfied with the first reason nor the next reason. They'll want to get to the bottom of absolutely everything. And Sometimes somewhere along the line, you've just got to trust that that we actually do care about the fans. Mm. And if we had to make a decision that frustrates people, it's with the best of intentions as opposed to just just to upset people. Yeah, fair enough. And the problem in terms of ticket reselling isn't unique to the NFL by any stretch. But have you you must be aware of the concerns around that. Yeah, so that that is a, that's an ongoing challenge because mm. first of all, it's not illegal. Right. Uh, so we don't have any legal support against us. Secondly, behind the scenes, every year we do a ton of additional um, pieces of work. So last year in twenty for the twenty eighteen games, mm. um, we voided four thousand buyers uh, because we we've done a lot of work to work out who was touts and who who weren't. Now the problem is. Can't publicize what that work is because mm. if you actually publicize it, then what you end up doing is telling people this is how you need to now avoid it. Right. 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 So, so we do a lot of work on it, but sometimes those folks are ahead of the game yeah. and they're trying to think of different ways of doing it. Um, don't love having, having tickets on the secondary market. Mm. Um, but if you actually look at the number of people in specifically that buy season tickets, um, that there's a reasonable percentage of people that then go on and buy those tickets and then sell, sell them elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I've seen loads of different suggestions as to how you can actually crack down on that, mm. but none of them, based on my investigation, none of them end up um, solving for it. What they end up doing is creating other issues or right. other problems. So once you come up with ideas such as um, you've got to show your ID, like uh, Glastonbury, yeah, then that that means that if you've bought two tickets, you can't actually pass them on to family members, right? right? But, and if you create a, a new system that is unwieldy, mm. then do you create massive queues around, say, Wembley or Tottenham that then creates security, all kinds and, of other issues controls? So, mm. so again, that answer would would I summarize as we get it. We're, we're, I wouldn't say we're on top of it, but it's certainly a priority for us. And we are proactively doing things. I've kind of asked people not to just knee jerk though and think that just because they see tickets being put on, on the, to a secondary ticket, um, site, that that just means that we just allow it all to yeah, happen. Sure. You know, there's sure. a limit to how we can control it. And to be fair, you, uh, you know, in particular leading the organization, but your team as well have always been, um, you've all never shirt questions about it and you've always been transparent about it. And I think the fans respect that. So, uh, you'll find from your comments whether they did or not. Yeah, one or two might disagree. But <laughs> Maybe there's a new thing you can't disagree with that. <laughs> oh, hashtag. I like yeah, it. Right. <laughs> um, a couple more questions. I know you're busy today, so we'll, uh, we'll crack on with a couple more. Um, Asmir Begovic, 
No less, I've got in touch. When are the Patriots coming over? <laughs> Big Patriots fan. Can you give us an exclusive on that? Uh, He's an whenever, whenever they're announced in the future. When are they coming they, back? What, they've come over about three times? What, three, three times? Yes. Um, and Robert Kraft is a massive supporter of international and uh, a, a really, really vocal. And if it was up to him, I'm sure he would love to play as often as he can. Uh, it's a little bit like the Packers question. Right. You first of all need a home team, and then you need a sec- secondly a team to then step up and say we're we're fine with the Patriots coming over. There's a risk when you're a home team because the Patriots is the most followed team now yeah. in this country. You'd actually have to be prepared to to potentially lose that home field advantage, advantage sure. as well. So so it's a no brainer for us to want the Patriots over. Yeah. Um, but it's a hard sell potentially. Yeah. Um, that's like every Chargers home game, isn't it? That <laughs> the off-road team is the, uh, you'd have to comment on that. Well, um, Come on. Yeah. Tim asks, any plans for the biggest names in NFL UK to be in a fantasy league together? Who are the biggest names in NFL UK? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Present company accepted, Alistair, obviously. Okay. Um, I, I, I like the I would definitely, I would definitely charge you, Nat, with Thank organizing you. that. Thank and you if it doesn't much. happen next season. Yeah. But then it's on you. I will get a lot of uh, vitriol on social media as a result of that. Okay. okay. Uh, thanks for that too. Uh, one more from T Wolf says, can I have a job as your PA, Alistair? I make great tea. He says, are you, are you okay, a tea well, drinker? First of all, I don't drink tea. Oh, uh, falls down right there, T Wolf. Uh, so, so be fairly unoccupied. Secondly, I would probably suggest that if you did a straw poll of people that work here, mm. that would be up there with kind of one of the worst jobs you can have. <laughs> You'll be okay. Yes. Let's end with the academy because we haven't mentioned that, and mm-hmm. it is um, in well into its first year. And, yes. and we've talked all about the games and Spurs and teams coming over and everything else. Do you think you might look back at all of this and everything that NFL K UK has achieved under? your stewardship and maybe be most proud of the academy? Um, I'd like to think so. I mean, that's obviously dependent on us continuing to execute at a high level. I think probably I would put at the moment the player pathway success as the thing that, um, I don't know if it's proudest, but certainly kind of it feels the most biggest transformational agent and also probably where I get a little bit emotional mm. uh, thinking about it. So if you look at um, how even Jakob Johnson uh, getting onto the 53 of the Patriots, mm. Jordan Malata getting mm. drafted, having never played the game before, uh, F.E. Obada, and particularly when he came over for game two and kind of how, how that worked through. Yeah, and you look at the guys uh, that are kind of in the mix for mm. next season. So you've got Christian Wade having had a, such a great preseason and now a year uh, with the Bills, you got Christian Scotland Williamson, who's under the radar yeah. uh, for a lot of people, but if he hasn't got player. injured in preseason. Uh, I firmly believe that he had stood a real chance of getting on the fifty-three with the Steelers. Yeah, and you got all of these guys that, through tremendous work ethic and kind of an unbelievable level of resiliency, have just confounded the standard approach that U.S. coaches had, which mm. is you're not going to grow the game through through international players. Now the academy gives an opportunity for both, from a, both an elite perspective for young, younger guys to then follow up in their footsteps and have some of these guys as their role models, mm. as well as hopefully do some really important things from a social change perspective and from a community perspective. 
So in terms of actually, you know, I've used a cliche word, legacy in terms of changing things around, I'd like to think that having played 28 games is a, is a good starting point, but actually really starting to try and change uh, people's lives for good. Mm. Um, I'd like to think that if we, if we do well with the academy and scale that up, um, that it, that it, it'll be something I'll look back with a lot of pride. I bet. Thank you, time man. Uh, in uh, an incredibly busy time for you, I'm always interested. What happens the week after the the games are done? I mean, you, people assume, I guess, okay, can relax and breathe for a bit. It's probably not quite that simple. No. So yesterday was um, going through the debrief of everything that worked and that we need to improve. Uh, so we do that after every single game. Was that a long call? Uh, yes, it was, it's fairly comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have, we have folks come in from the US that act almost like secret shoppers. Really? Yeah. So they go around the whole stadium, um, and pregame and tailgate and even kind of tube lines and everything else. So Do they watch a, the broadcast. No, they don't. So you're, <laughs> you're out of jail there. God. Yeah. Um, but so that, so we go through a very comprehensive kind of review of, of what worked. What we thought we said we were going to do and, and how it kind of panned out. Mm. Then we're also in the midst of planning for next year, both in terms of games, in terms of our budgets, what new initiatives we want to do. So this time last year, we were throwing out the academy as a concept yeah. and now, now here we are. So we've got a few different idea, new ideas as to what the next, next thing is. So we're hard at work trying to lobby for that and, uh, just in general be kind of an enthusiastic pain to New York and just <laughs> keep trying to push the envelope a little bit more. Okay, we'll keep keep pushing that envelope. Appreciate it. Cracking stuff. I uh, really appreciate Alistair taking the time uh, to talk to us. Busy man. Uh, and uh, I appreciate his honesty as well. Straightforward, uh, direct on questions saying, look, we can't get everything right. We make mistakes. Uh, but I, uh, and I understand and sympathize with fans that get frustrated. Of course I do. I get that. But at the same time, NFL UK have driven the game so far in this country. It doesn't mean we can't check them and ask questions and put the questions to them, but we are getting four games a season, people. Uh, once again, a terrific NFL London series. And when I think back, uh, to when that was just a, a faint hope that maybe one day we might get to see a game in London just to be, uh, in some respects, appreciative of, of what we've got because those guys there, Alice has got a big team and they are doing a cracking job and long may that continue. All right then, uh, we have got J-Bell in the house on Friday for our preview show. Don't forget as well, our Paddy Power Fantasy show competition for only for listeners of the show. To get involved with that, if you fire over to social media at the NC show, you will see uh, links to all of that. The guys are pushing out how to get involved. It's free to enter. Free to enter this Sunday. Put a daily fantasy team together this Sunday and you could be in the money. So go get involved with that. Uh, We'll see you Friday. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.